Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Come on, church, he lives. That's why we celebrate Easter, because of what Jesus has done and what he will continue to do. And that's some good news, right? That's some great news. Well, hey, today I want to talk to you about how Jesus changes life. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us this morning. Colossians says this in chapter 1, verse 6, this same good news that came to you is going out to all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives. From the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Church, that good news is how Jesus changes lives. Jesus brings us hope. Jesus brings us courage. And for that, that we have a lot to celebrate. Right, church? Right? Let's pray this morning together before we dive into this morning's message. Lord, we pray right now that you continue to lead us and guide us, work in this place. May lives be changed. May people be moved. May your presence reign, may your presence reign out and may your spirit come about, Lord, in, in ways we've never seen here in North Fort Myers, Lord. Continue to lead us and guide us in your great and holy name. We all say, amen. I want to ask you a question. Um, if someone gave you a million dollars, would you say that'd be a little life-changing for you right now? Right? Some of you would say, okay, I have a million dollars. I'm going to go buy a bigger boat. Maybe some of you would be like, hey, you know what? I want to quit my job and, and start a new, uh, a new idea, a new business. Maybe some of us in this room would be individuals that are like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go relax. I'm going to enter into retirement. I'm going to try to go buy a place in this crazy housing market that all of a sudden happened, right? It can be life-changing for many of us if a million dollars came. I came across this story. Thomas and Denise were married for 25 years and shared everything, even their electric toothbrush. Turn to your person and say, yo, I would never use your toothbrush. I mean, there's some lines we need to discuss today. But Denise won $1.3 million from the California lottery. California has a lot of lotteries. She didn't. She didn't, here we go, she didn't tell her husband about it and promptly filed for divorce. It turns out she had been unhappy for years and she thought she found the ticket to leaving the marriage. The family court judge ruled that keeping the lottery prize a secret violated asset disclosure laws that apply to divorce cases. So the judge awarded the $1.3 million to her ex-husband. Woo! Joke is on her. 
See, the point is this. Many times we know what we think we know what will change our life for the better. We think we know how we need to change our life. We at times even know when we need to change our life. And we try to hold on to it. We try to possess it for ourselves. That I can make and do the change in my life. But the truth is, there's only one person who brings real life change. That can take us from being people or individuals that were addicted, made mistakes, that have made various different trips and, and, and stumbles in our lifetime. There's only one person that can truly change our life for the better, change our eternity. And his name is Jesus. And that leads us to this morning's big idea. Jesus changes lives. Jesus changes lives. So today I have, I have three points that I want to talk to you about. The first one is this. Jesus changes lives by bringing us courage. Jesus changes lives by bringing us courage. How many of you know we need some courage in this day and age, right? It takes courage to stand up to maybe what are outside of these walls. It takes courage to address some issues that we have. It takes courage to admit that you're wrong. All the husbands raise your hand, right? It takes courage. We need that courage. Christians in this world should be the most courageous, most audacious, most inspiring individuals to say, I'm going to address some of the things in my life that I need to address. Jesus gives us that ability. Jesus gives us that way to do so. In Luke 23, we see this story about this man who comes and he's only mentioned in four, he's mentioned in all four of the Gospels, but only at this particular time. His name is Joseph. Now, Joseph was a unique individual, and he gives us a different perspective, a different vantage point. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 23. Let me bring you up to speed. Jesus just endured an unfair trial. We talk about Good Friday. He died on the cross. He, he received the cat of nine tails where it's this whip with pieces of metal and bone. And there's nine of them short leather straps. And he would be beat. He would be flogged. He would be a crown of thorns pressed on his head. He would endure some of the most severe uh, brutality ever experienced in all of humanity. And Jesus dies this past Friday, some 2,000 years ago. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and this man comes to this scene, and he goes through this process, and each gospel, each evangelist, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all note him because he was someone that had grave courage. Verse 50 and 54 of Luke chapter 23 says this, Now there was a man named Joseph, from a Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. Now, it's important to note Luke, Dr. Luke, this man who wrote this passage, who observed, was very analytical and picked up on details. He's only one other time in his gospel ever called somebody good. One of those times is right here. 
Verse 51, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God, meaning there was one man that had the courage to say, no, Jesus, who is the Lord and Savior, shouldn't be crucified, yet the Sanhedrin, the religious rulers and leaders of the time that put Jesus on the cross, he dissented from them, and he said, Jesus shouldn't be there. Obviously, you know the story. Jesus went there. Verse 52 continues, this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. In Mark's account of Joseph, it says, took courage. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid it in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever been laid. It was a day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. See, Jesus' death moved this individual who wrestled privately with what happened to Jesus on the cross to move him privately into this place of public opinion. See, we have to understand the context of what took place. Joseph had this inspiring audacity to step out of his comfort zone, to do what needed to be done, and he goes to this governor by the name of Pilate, and he says, Pilate, can I have the body of Jesus? Have you ever had one of those moments where it just clicks for you? You understand something. Maybe you're working in your shop and you've worked tirelessly on a project and it finally occurred, you figured out the solution. See, Joseph in his lifetime was just kind of going about a part of this religious council. He was a man of great stature in the area and and he's living his life, and he knows about Jesus. He understands about Jesus. He's seen the glory of Jesus, but yet he has to step out of his comfort zone. He has to step out of this area and go to this governor. See, the religious authorities already persecuted an innocent and unblemished man. Imagine what they would do to a man who went against the grain. It's a courage for Joseph to step out and say, can I have the body of Jesus? It takes courage to confront. It takes courage to ask questions. I was never a great student growing up, and I remember there was moments I had to ask some questions in life. And whenever that hand had to raise, I was like, I don't know if I can do it. It takes moments to, it takes courage to ask questions in our life. It takes moments and it takes courage to say, hey, am I doing everything that I need to be doing? Am I living? Am I treating? Am I handling the issues that I need to handle? Are my relationships where they need to be? It takes courage to ask questions. It takes courage to live by faith. It takes courage to live by faith. Joseph, he turned from this private disciple into this public disciple when he went by faith and he pursued Jesus' body. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know exactly how it was all going to play out, but he stepped out in courage knowing that there was going to be a group of people, the same group of people that just crucified Christ that maybe would come for him. See, when we reflect on what Jesus did on the cross, he had to go to the cross for each and every one of us. 
Today is Easter, and we talk about the gospel, the good news, and that is that it's eclipse, that it's at the height, that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that was given by this day, Easter, when he rose from the grave. See, when we get that what Jesus endured the cross, we can live an extraordinary and a courageous life. When we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, five times this man was scourged. Three times he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. All for the sake of the good news. Jesus changed his life. Peter, the apostle that in the same week denied Jesus three times, courageously gave up his life when the Holy Spirit came on him, and we see this in Acts, and he was so committed to Christ that he's saying, I can't be persecuted and crucified like Christ. Turn me upside down. Stephen, in the book of Acts, he wasn't a disciple, he wasn't an apostle, but he was known as the first person to give his life for the gospel, for Jesus, takes courage. Some of us in this place, you've came to church, and that's courageous for you. Maybe you've had church hurt. Maybe you have some things going on in life, and you've made some mistakes, and you don't know how you're going to process it, and, and you don't really know the end of it, but you're stepping out with a courageous faith, coming through these doors. See, when Jesus did what he did some 2,000 years for us, when he defeated the grave, we Christians, followers of Jesus, people open to the gospel, people open to the good news, we can live with a courageous faith, church. That's some good news for us. Christians should be individuals that, hey, I might get told no, but I'm going to keep marching. This option might not work out, but I'm going to keep celebrating because I know my God is going to deliver us. I know my God's going to see us through. I can be courageous. Church, we challenged each other this past couple weeks. Hey, who are you going to invite? Who are you going to bring? Some of us, you did a fabulous job. Some of us are still in that process of of embracing that courageous living. But when Jesus grips us and Jesus takes us through his process, when we're working, when we're developing our lives and our hearts and our minds, and we're trying our best, when we reflect on what happened this week some 2,000 years ago, we know we can live and continue to step out even when things are a little daunting to us church, I want to encourage you, live courageously. Maybe you're in this place right now and you're struggling with living courageously. I want to encourage you. There's nothing to be scared about. Jesus went through something so that we can live not by fear. Number two for us this morning is this, when it comes to how Jesus changes lives, is Jesus gives us answers. Jesus gives us answers. Jesus gives us the right answers. How many of us know, like, life is uncertain. One day you might get up, the next day something else might throw you a curveball. One day you get up from bed and your back is hurting, the next day you feel like a million bucks. Sometimes you're like, how do I even feel, how do I even have a soreness in my knee? It just happens, right? Life throws us some curveballs. But see, here's the thing. When the world looks at different areas trying to search and find and figure out the answers, we know there's only one right answer, and that's through Jesus. Jesus gives us peace. Jesus gives us assurance. 
Jesus gives us life after this life. When I think about maybe coming up with some, uh, I guess you'd say smart answers, I can't help but kind of scurrying through and looking at things. And here's some answers that maybe can relate with you. When some students were asked uh, uh, some questions on a test, this is how they responded. So the first one is this. One student was asked, what is the highest frequency noise a human can register? One of them said, Mariah Carey. Like, I don't think she can hit those notes quite anymore. But hey, number two for us is one student when asking in this certain, um, uh, I guess you'd say test was asked this, when asked how to convert centimeters to meters, take out the centi, <laughs> right? Ah, funny, ah, like, woo. I mean, that's genius, right? Number three for us is this. This is my favorite one. It says this, draw a picture of what you will look like in a hundred years. I mean, if you're over 100, we love you. You're totally not that. Draw a person, right? The point when it comes to just looking at some of this, we, we think there's some eloquent, interesting answers, and we almost buy into these eloquent, interesting answers in life. We think we have things figured out, but when those things aren't associated with Jesus, we're far from the actual right answer. Those answers are intelligent, they're funny, they're witty, and they sound really cute, and glamorous. There's a lot of things that sound cute and glamorous in life, but there's only one true answer. When Jesus continue, or when, when the story continues, we see this other individual who comes and he helps Joseph with the body of Jesus in John 19. Nicodemus also who earlier had come to Jesus by night came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is a burial custom of the Jews. They did this to commemorate, to give Jesus the proper burial, to give homage to who Jesus was. See, they didn't really know how to answer the question. They only know that there was one answer that they were going to pursue. They were going to lean into Jesus. This man by the name of Nicodemus, we see him earlier in John chapter 3, says that, it says this in verse 5 and 7, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are one born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. See, Nicodemus was this Pharisee, if you look back in John 3. He was an individual that was, again, away from the crowd, a silent disciple. He asked a question, what's it like, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? How do I receive the good news? And Jesus gives him this answer in John chapter 3, and it's pretty interesting. Jesus says, you have to come to me. It's found in the life of Christ. So we see this interesting dialogue between them in, earlier in John's gospel, and it kind of just separates. We don't really know what happened. The conversation seems to end in the text. But then we see Nicodemus come back, and he says, I'm going to help you, Joseph, get the body of Jesus, because I'm going from private to public. Some of us in this place right now, you're looking for an answer. 
There's something that's happening privately in your life, that's taking place privately in your life, and you're wrestling with the decision of, should I move from private to public? Should I say, hey, I need a leader in my life. I need the Lord of my life. I need peace in my life. I need hope. I need an answer in my life because some things aren't making sense. The most logical thing in all of humanity is this, that we have Jesus who declared that he's God, that Jesus conquered the grave, that Jesus is for us, with us, and he is the one and only answer, church. That's how Jesus changes things. And if you're in here in this place looking for that answer, We have more information. We have ways that will help you at the end of service to lead you through the steps to start having a relationship with him. It starts with admitting, believing, and committing to him. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and the mouth one confesses and is saved. Church, that's the gospel. The good news continues, and Jesus changes lives by giving number three for us is hope. These three individuals, when we talk and we look at the death of Jesus and them taking the body of Jesus, there's individuals, Mary and Mary, mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, Jesus' friend, and some other ladies are around, and they're with Joseph, and they're with Nicodemus through this whole entire scene. And then it flips over in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when, but when they went in, they did not find the body, Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse 6, he is not here, but he is risen. This key word right here, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, or be crucified and on the third day rise. Hope. These ladies, Mary and Mary and the ladies, they were looking for an answer. They kept pursuing an answer. They were going through this process in their life where hopeless seem, hopeless, hope seemed to be fleeting and they were, they were questioning and they were wavering and they didn't know what to do, but they, they showed up. They were searching. And then they had the, the moment that says, remember how he told you, he is risen. God is risen. Jesus conquered the grave. That's why we have hope, church. See, it's our faith in Jesus that unlocks our hope. A lot of times we put hope in people, we put hope in money, situations, current governments at moments. We put hope in all these different places, but there's only one hope and that's Jesus. There's only one way to unlock that and that's faith in what he's accomplished. Number two, when it comes to that hope is this, that we have hope to keep showing up. So a lot of us, we've gone through a situation We're not perfect. This is a 
place where we're imperfect people in progress, that we're going through this situation in life and we don't really know what to do, but I want to encourage you, keep showing up. Mary and Mary didn't know what to do. They kept showing up. That's why we invite you back next week so we have coffee and donuts so we can gather as a community. We encourage you, get involved with our faith groups. Get connected. You might have some serious questions. You might be looking for answers. I want to encourage you right now when it comes to hope, keep showing up. You will discover the hope of Jesus in your life, but we have to keep positioning ourselves in proximity of that. God continues to move by keeping his promises. Verse 6, it says, but he has remembered, has risen. John 3, 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. There's been some moments in my life where I've lacked hope, where I really came to a, a, a gripping moment where I didn't know what to do. I don't know if you can really relate with that where maybe there's been a a situation in your life. I remember this one particular time, I'm I'm sitting in our little house at the time, it was 600 square feet. And so I went over to our office, which is only three feet away from our couch. And it's on the other side of the room. And I remember sitting there, it's early in the morning, it's 4 a.m. And I'm just saying, God, I need help. I need direction. I'm confused. I moved my family across the country. I'm questioning some serious things in life. God, I don't know what to do. And I remember that distinct prayer time in my life. I said, Blake, keep leaning in. Don't give up hope. Church, if there's one beacon of hope in this world, it's God's church. Because of what Jesus did 2,000 some years ago, that he went to the grave, that he rose three days later, keeping his promises, giving us answers, helping us lead a life of courage, church. That's our glorious God. That's why we celebrate this Easter season. Earlier in the service, I asked you to fill out a communication card. Just a moment, we're going to pray, but I want to talk specifically to individuals in this place that would say they don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, but you're interested in that, that you want to admit that, man, you've made mistakes, that you want to confess your sins, that you want to make things right, that you believe that God raised Jesus from the grave three days later, conquering death, pushing back sin and Satan and putting them in the box. I want to encourage you on the back of your communication card or online, you can say, hey, I want what we're talking about. I want to commit and start a relationship with Jesus today. I'm going to encourage you, mark the box, I've accepted Christ. Now, maybe some of you already have a relationship with Jesus. That's great as well continue to live out that journey, but maybe you're in here and you're looking for a real authentic answer. That's Jesus, church. That's what we believe. That's why we do what we do. So I want to encourage you, fill out that communication card, and we want to start that faith journey with you, help you along the way. So we're going to pray specifically for those, and we'll have a couple closing remarks. Thank you for being here. Happy Easter. 
Let's continue to pursue God with all that we are and all and who we are as a church. Let's pray. God, right now we are praying. We're lifting you up. We're honoring you. We're saying thank you because this Easter season, we have a lot to celebrate. We're celebrating changed lives, Lord, because what your son did for each and every one of us. Lord, I pray specifically for those marking the box on the back that says, I have accepted you today. Lord, we pray that you help them in their prayer and in their discernment right now that you lead them accordingly, Lord, that they take a a boldness and say, God, I want to start a relationship with you. God, that I've that I admit that I'm a sinner. God, that I believe in your working power and God, that I'll commit to your ways. For those saying that prayer right now, Lord, we thank you. God, be with us as we celebrate you the rest of the day. Thank you for your goodness and your greatness. In your holy name, we all say, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.